In the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, we are looking at Joseph and Mary having blessed with a beautiful child in an obscure place called Bethlehem. And they sat there and they tried to comprehend what God had brought to pass in their lives. Even today, the world really doesn't quite get it. God was at work bringing a message of hope to a lost and sinful world. The question sometimes remains to be asked, is the gospel still a message of hope to the world today? In Luke 2, 8-20, we pick it up. It says, the, regarding the shepherds and the angels, it said, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Shepherds with no name were given an opportunity to hear the announcement of the coming of the chief shepherd, whose name would be above every name. Normally the birth of a prince would be announced to to kings, to dignitaries, especially a princely announcement such as Christ's birth. Uh, But yet, the announcement was not given to priests, rulers, kings, Pharisees, Sadducees, but rather to common shepherds whose a class were known as outcasts in their society. Their testimony was considered considered, uh, unreliable in the courts in that day. If you want somebody to testify on your behalf, you call up a shepherd and say, well, you can't listen to them because all shepherds are liars. They don't tell the truth. And yet what's intriguing about this whole process, when God wanted to bring his message of the good news of Christ, he, he went to the lowest of the low. I said, well, why, why do you, would he do that? Well, that's a wonderful illustration of God's grace. His incredible favor presented to those who, who do not, who could never, ever really deserve his favor. In a sense, these anonymous efforts represent all mankind, for we are all undeserving, we are all desperate, and we're all in need of God's grace in our lives. Why would you say that? Well, 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 says this, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God, because God hates pride. God chose shepherds to show that the gospel is for the simple, not for the sophisticated. God put his cookies on the bottom shelf. Because of that, the sophisticated scholars sometimes miss it because they say, it's too simple, we don't get it. Or they try to write it off as being irrelevant. 
And then an angel of the Lord appears to these shepherds and brings a message of hope that literally would blow them away. So really? Yeah. Imagine you're on the backside of Amherstburg, minding your business, looking after a bunch of sheep. You say, well, that'd be kind of desperate times. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to you. Uh, try telling that story around Amherstburg a few times. The police will pick you up. We'll find a rubber room. No, okay. Um, uh, the shepherd's response to the angels was quite typical. Just like Zachariah and Mary, the, the very first response when you see something spiritual is fear. They're like awestruck because this is not typical. This is not normal. But remember I talked a few weeks ago, I talked in on my message that God is in the business of doing the miraculous. The miraculous always supersedes the law of nature, the laws of man. You can't explain it. You try to, but you can't. Because God likes to show that His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And when God does something, He's going to do it in such a way that it will grab your attention. You're either going to believe it or you're going to say, no, I don't want anything to do with it. And when the angel came in God's glory and shining majesty, the sight of God that humans could see, which they can respond to a confession, worship, or praise, they were awestruck. They're awestruck with the spiritual. These disciples, or shepherds, pardon me, were aroused. They were alarmed. They were intimidated by something awe-inspiring. Notice what the angel says, and he says it over and over again when he appears to mankind. The angel said to him in chapter 2, verses 10 and 12, he said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for some people, a few people. No, it doesn't say that. It says for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The spiritual darkness which had covered the earth for thousands of years was about to be rolled away. The way to pardon and peace with God was to be thrown open to every single person that would believe in what Christ was about to do. The head of Satan was about to be bruised, as seen in Genesis 3.15. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to the captives who were in sin. The fear would be displaced by the good news of the gospel. The gospel is to elicit joy, but yet for some it issues fear. Joy is that inward feeling of happiness, contentment, that bursts forth rejoicing. You say, what do you get excited about? What, what is that really thrills you? What is that that really turns your crank? You say, well, it depends. See, what's really nice about Christmas is that sometimes you get some really nice stuff. Amen? And sometimes you get stuff that you just don't want. Amen? What do you do with the stuff you don't want? <laughs> Regift. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. You ever get stuff you thought, I wonder if they regifted this stuff, really? And, so, and sometimes we get gifts that like that. We just like, oh, great. I really didn't want this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Bless you. And you think, what am I going to do with this? But you know they're going to come visit, so you have to put it in a place where you can show it so they can see it when you come there. Oh, yeah, it's really nice to put it away. That doesn't bring joy. That just can be a pain. But so often the things that we get at Christmas or throughout the year, can, they can bring joy to our hearts, but the joy doesn't last. Men, you get a brand new car. Do you get excited? Oh, there's not a very good crowd here. Okay, good. <laughs> Forget the car. You get a nice 
Ford F-150 Lariat. Okay, you don't like Fords. Okay, I'm really striking out here. You get a vehicle of your dreams. I don't know, clue, have a clue what it is. But the problem is, even if you get a vehicle of your dreams, man, guess what happens? The joy doesn't last. Ladies, you can get the whatever you want to get. And I'm not even going to go there because I want to bomb out really bad. It might bring joy for a little bit, whatever it is. But that joy doesn't last, does it? It doesn't last at all. But the joy that Christ brings into our lives lasts forever. And if you haven't found that out yet, you will find out. Because I've met many an individual who's tried finding joy in the things that the world has to offer. I've had friends who are multimillionaires, gone on their boats with them, cruising through the Trans-Severn Canal on $800,000 yacht. Say, was that nice, Pastor? Hey, I'll drive the boat. You're paying the gas? You can pay the gas. Remember sitting down with this guy and talking to him about this beautiful ship he had. I said, do you enjoy this? He said, yeah, I really like it. And we had a good sit-down chat one day, and he said, you know what, Adrian? I said, what? He said, all this stuff I've gotten, he had a lot of stuff. I would give it all away if I got a relationship with my sons like you do. I went, oh. I said, well, that's, that's, that's wild. And I said, so I continued to converse with him. But I thought everybody else looking on the outside had a beautiful house right on the, on the bay, had the boats, had the Cadillacs, had the Eddie Bowers. I can just name go on and on and on what he had. But it didn't bring him joy. Some of you think, well, I would like a shot at that. It would be nice to try it out for a little while. But the joy that Christ brings and the joy that those shepherds felt can only be brought by Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that God has created a chapel within our hearts. And that chapel is made by God, not by man. And it's interesting the kind of things we try to stuff in here to find that sense of satisfaction. And no matter what you try to stick in there, it doesn't fit, it doesn't work, and it doesn't bring you joy that lasts. It really doesn't. And so when Christ comes into this world, he says, I'm going to give you a peace which passes on. I'm going to give you joy that there's nothing this world can ever offer you that will give you that joy. Because the joy that the world gives is emptyless, empty, and it's joyless. And so the problem for many of us is that what are we going to choose to bring joy into our lives? It's not found in the superficial, but in the deeper meaning of a relationship with Jesus Christ, the true reason for joy. Let me conclude by saying this. The angels bypassed Jerusalem, the religious center of Israel. They appeared and said to a band of shepherds looking after a bunch of sheep who were considered outcasts. Back then, no one thought God would be interested in shepherds or that shepherds would be, let alone, interested in God. They were irreligious. They were considered notorious sinners, outcasts. But you know what? God spoke to them because God cares for those who are lost. I think he knew that the shepherds, like so many people, who appear indifferent to spiritual things. Sometimes you can appear indifferent to the spiritual, but God really knows the human heart. He really does. 
And all of us today, even sitting here, have a longing for something more. And no, it's not cheesecake. Even though you make a really good cheesecake. You make a great cheesecake. But there's so much more to life than what life is presenting itself to us today. And no matter how hard we try to appear self-sufficient, sooner or later, we'll run out of something essential. You'll run out of love, you'll run out of money, you'll run out of time, or you'll run out of life. Another thing I go into a funeral to kind of bring you up short, make you realize, hey, what am I really living for? What's really this all about? But isolation, loneliness of fear of death can lead us to acknowledge our need for a Savior. And we can get to that point where we realize, you know what, I really need Jesus Christ in my life. And I need Him not only to be in my life, but to guide me the rest of my life because the way I'm doing it isn't working. Jesus Christ came for you. Will you tonight acknowledge your need of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we're so busy. There's so many things going on in our lives. Sometimes we're chasing after so many things. But God, what we really need is you, more of you. And some of us just, we just plainly, we just need you, Lord. And my friend, if you're sitting here tonight, you do not know Christ as your Savior. You do not have a relationship. You've heard about him, but you've never put your faith and trust in him. Then I challenge you to acknowledge your need of him and say, oh God, I need you. The Bible says very clearly in his word that if you call on his name, he will save you from your sin and give you eternal life. And my friend, if you're here today, you don't have that peace, you don't have that joy. And Christ says, I've not come just to bring peace and joy, I've come to bring you life, life more abundant. A life that is centered on living for God rather than living for self. A life that's centered on living for Jesus rather than our narcissistic life that's so self-absorbed about what I want and what I think I need. Because that's where the world's going. It's all about what I want, what I need. But only Jesus Christ, the Creator, knows exactly what you need, and that's a Savior. And that's why He came. He came that He might give His life as a ransom for your sin. So that you by faith can just say, Lord, please forgive my sin and come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Would you ask that of him tonight? Would you put your faith and trust in him? He's knocking on your heart's door. He's saying, let me in. Would you acknowledge that? Would you pray that? Oh Lord, we just pray that you would have your way in every heart here tonight. And thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life that is ours through Jesus Christ. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.